right. Good morning, everyone. You can take your seats. Yeah. Well, it's uh, delightful to be here and still on the journey with you guys. Uh, so I'm still trying to get around all the different Harvest Net churches that we have planted. Nine in total. And uh, you guys, I forget where you came in the nine, but you're here and you're doing well. And uh, so it's, um, this is a new venue uh, for me. I think the last time I visited you guys was, you were somewhere else. This is uh, venue number three, right? Yeah. So, um, but it's great. All right. So it's my uh, delight to be uh, ministering the word of God to you uh, today. And uh, yeah, I have a primary passion, and that is people's wholeness, people encountering, really experiencing God. You know, Christianity is about experiencing God, not just knowing stuff about him, but actually experiencing God. So I'm, I'm really into that. And so uh, the, the uh, Lift X, uh, that we're not calling a camp, uh, uh, that that's be a primary focus uh, for the day. You know, often we we come to church and we hear a message, uh, and then it's it's great, and then we all go. But to me, it's a bit like going to a restaurant and just reading the menu, but never having the meal. You know, I mean, well, what was all that about? You know, it was so so. Uh, the message today is like a menu, and then we're going to have a deliberate, intentional moment of the meal where I'm going to invite you to just come. Let's seek God. Let's let's open ourselves to encounter the very thing I just I spoke to you about. Is that okay? All right. Um, otherwise, we're leaving the restaurant, and what we did was examine the menu. It's like, wow, that was really cool. What a menu they've got. Wow, that's amazing. No, no, it's all about uh, the meal. So you ready? Come on, let's pray. Lord, a spirit of wisdom and revelation veils coming off so we can see you more clearly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I probably just need that bottle of water uh, to help me lubricate uh, as we go. So this morning I want to talk to you about starting at the finish. Starting at the finish. And uh, the finish I'm referring to is, of course, what Jesus said when he died on the cross. The last words he spoke was he said, it is finished. And another way of translating that is, it is accomplished. It is completed. That's what he was saying. And what he's referring to is he had accomplished his mission. He'd been sent to earth with a specific mission. The Son of God became the Son of Man to spearhead the restoration of the kingdom of God on this planet. Uh, we've made the coming of Jesus all about sins forgiving and going dying uh, and going to heaven, but actually it reaches beyond that. It reaches to the restoration of this planet. If you flick to the back of your Bible, it doesn't end with us all floating on clouds, playing harps, living forever in heaven. It actually ends with a new heaven and a new earth. So actually beyond just heaven, I'm not trying to take heaven away from you, I'm just telling you that's a great waiting place uh, because the ultimate goal of God is to restore his, this planet to his dominion, his kingdom. And so Jesus um, was born and he lived out his life demonstrating every time he uh, 
cast out a demon, healed someone, loved on someone, showed compassion. He was demonstrating the kingdom, what, what God's rule on the earth looks like. So he gets to this point and he says it is finished. It's accomplished. Now what I'm saying is we get to begin our Christianity not back here, but here. We get to start at the finish. And so that puts a whole different perspective on how we're meant to be seeing things, the authority we have, the way that we're meant to be uh, living out our lives. And to really emphasize that it is finished, it's accomplished, something absolutely amazing had been accomplished, two things happened. Uh, one, the, the veil that was hanging in the Jerusalem temple that divided where the people were from the very presence of God was torn. Matthew 27, it was torn from the top to the bottom. God tore it. What was he saying? No longer is there a separation. All right, Because of what Jesus has accomplished, that separation is removed. Another amazing, significant thing that happened was we're told that Jesus ascended back to heaven and he sat down. He sat down. Now, now that's significant. Why does the Bible make a big fuss of the fact that you have a seated Savior? Because that's what you do when you're finished. You sit down. That's what you do when there's nothing left to do. You sit down because there's nothing left to do. It's completed, it's finished, uh, it's accomplished. And so, da -na -na -na. if it's finished, if it's completed, and there's nothing left to do, then God is not going to do any more for you than what he's already done. The rest of your Christian life is you seeing and therefore partaking and participating in what's been done. So what we think is God doing stuff for us isn't really. Jesus didn't stand up. He didn't break out in the sweat. He didn't run around and do stuff for you. What, what you thought was God doing stuff for you was actually a veil coming off. You seeing an aspect of the finished work. You stepped into it, so you experienced it. So you saw Jesus as Savior, you stepped into that. Jesus baptized, you stepped into that. Jesus as healer, you stepped. And Jesus sat down the whole time. All that was really happening was you were now seeing something. Now you could participate in it. All right? So that's what the word revelation means. It means a revelation. Imagine this bottom of water, bottle of water was, was uh, covered, right? Now, and I go, I'm about to give you a revelation. And you go, yeah, but it was always there. That's precisely it. Jesus isn't doing anything. But see, while it's not revealed, while it's hidden to me, I'm not reaching for it. While it's hidden and I can't see it, I can't get the advantage of it. So that's why it feels like God did this and God's doing that. No, what's actually happening is you're having a revelation 
of the finished work uh, of Jesus Christ and you're now accessing uh, the benefit of it. And so that's when you start to get that, you realize that <clears throat> when the Apostle Paul was praying for us in, a, in Ephesians chapter 117, he's not, he's not praying like this, oh God, please do this for them, please do that, please fill them with your spirit, please touch their lives. Listen to how he's praying. He's praying, God, would you help the eyes of their heart to be enlightened so they can see the hope of their calling, the riches of their inheritance? Uh, so he's, God's not doing anything. He's praying for you to see what God's done. All right? Uh, so that you can um, have access to what you actually already have. Uh, and that's why we're told in 2 Corinthians 3 that it's as our faces are unveiled that we go from glory to glory. It's an unveiling of the face. Um, and this is why we're told that God has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings uh, in Christ Jesus. So do you know that before you were even born, God foreknew, not foreordained, but certainly foreknew everything that this life was going to throw at you and therefore laid aside all the grace, all the overcoming power that you needed to overcome everything life throws at you. You say, well, is that in the Bible? Well, here it is, Second Peter. It says everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power. Come on. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him. So it's through knowing him. It's through revealing. It's through knowing as in not just knowing like this, knowing as in relational knowing him who has called us by his name. And that's why we're told, 2 Corinthians, uh, the yes of all God's promises is in Christ. And through yes, all we get to do is say amen. <laughs> we, we, as soon as Jesus said it is finished, all of God's promises became yes. And now all we're doing is saying amen. You getting what I'm saying? All right. Yeah. Thank you, most of you. Yes. All right. That's great. And so that's why we begin our prayer with thanksgiving. Why? Have you ever wondered why we should begin our prayer with thanksgiving? Because we're starting from the uh, finish. That's why. Um, and so this is so important that we get this, that we're actually, wow, we're starting at the finish. So much has already been accomplished for us. And when we don't get that, <clears throat> we end up um, feeling powerless as Christians because we don't get that. We, uh, you know, we end up with Christians that constantly need reassurance of God's forgiveness because they don't understand the finished work. They constantly need, they've got this grumpy God that constantly need to be jollied along. You know, if you didn't get up at six this morning and read those chapters, well, this grumpy God's not going to bless you. And so you, you don't understand that we have a finished work and you, you're accessing something that's finished. 
Uh, they constantly need a reassurance of their right standing with God or their acceptance with God because they, they don't understand the finished work. Uh, when we don't understand that we're starting at the finish, we end up with believers who pray like beggars, thinking they need to be crying out to God to att attract the favor of this reluctant God. Prayer for them is this arm wrestling match. They're prying out of the fingers of this reluctant God. <laughs> when really, that's a nonsense. Uh, he's just releasing. Um, <clears throat> God has already released to us. Look at... Look at Peter's prayer, uh, if you know your Bible, where he prayed for that guy at the gate, beautiful Acts 1. He said, such as I have, such as I have, not, oh God, please heal. No, he said, such as I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. He understood that he was starting at, at the finish. And when we don't get this, when we're, it just puts us back here, instead of there. And so uh, we end up with believers who are still fighting a defeated devil. <laughs> They're still fighting a defeated devil, uh, when in reality there is no competition of strength between God and devil. Whoever taught, thought up that load of pigs taught he what he's... I mean, uh, come on. How could a fallen angelic being be on a par or in competition with the being that created them originally? That's, oh, gee, come on, it sells books and, uh, you know, tapes, but gee, it's a nonsense. And so when Jesus said, all power and authority has been given to me, well, if all power and authority has been given to Jesus, the devil has none. All means all. I mean, if I've got all, how much have you got? You've got none. All right. And so we need to realize this is, wow, look at where we're starting. Well, look at our starting position. It changes everything. But the big one that I think it changes when we realize this is our starting point, it deals with so much covenantal confusion that is in the body of Christ today, where we're constantly rushing back here and using Old Covenant language uh, to tell us how to live as New Covenant believers. You need to, we need to stop that. Do you understand? Now, I'm all for uh, the, the language and the beauty and the poetic language of the Old Covenant and the Psalms and all that, but... Whenever I'm referring to them, I know I'm talking about a shadow and the realities already come. You know, sometimes it's a, it's a great looking shadow, but when you see a really nice looking shadow, don't you automatically want to look at where it's coming from? And the Bible says that the old covenant um, was a shadow. And, and so when I'm reading my old covenant, I'm thinking, wow. I've got a better covenant. You see, whatever the, is promised under the Old Testament, the New Testament can always do better. So, wow, uh, I'm all for quoting it, but I'm, at the time I'm also thinking, wow, I've got a, a better covenant. It says in Hebrews, but Christ, 
who have been rewarded with a far more important work than those who served under the law because the new agreement that he passes on to us uh, from God contains far more wonderful promises. So I've, I've got this little bit of a diagram. If we could have that up there, hopefully you can all see it. Yep. To help us understand that so much has passed through the cross. The shadow has passed through the cross to give us the new covenant reality. The continual animal sacrifices passed through the cross and became the once and for all sacrifice uh, of Jesus Christ. So that was that was done uh, away with. So as I'm going to just quickly work through these, but what I'm trying to say is that there's so many... Even in our language, we need to be careful that we're not using old covenant uh, concepts and projecting them beyond where they should be into our new covenant behavior. Uh, what does that mean? Or, well, you know, in the Psalms, they cry out to God, um, and uh, that's all great old covenant language. They see more. Crying out for more, you've got to be careful. Oh, more, God. Well, actually, it's finished. If I told you I'd finished and you kept asking me for more, I'd be slapping you. All right? But Jesus is very patient. All right? But he's told you he's finished and you keep saying more. So more has gone through the cross and it looks, this is more now. Veil's coming off. So you can access, that's, that's the new covenant more. Pleading for God's presence to come. Well, he's taken up residence. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, um, so really, uh, a lot of this language we just need to be careful of. We're, we now have a mystical union. He's the vine, I'm the branch. Uh, so... Yeah, that the, just quickly going through those, the continual animal sacrifices were, were done away with. See, in the old covenant, the priest uh, in the temple, there were no chairs. They could never sit down because their work was never finished. They constantly needed to be, because their sacrifices were only covering sin. We're told that our Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, has taken away not covered, but taken away the sins of the world. So that's the new covenant uh, reality, that uh, we don't need a special a person, you know, the Levitical priesthood, the bells and the smells and, and all that stuff. We don't need those guys anymore. You don't need to say, oh, I need to go to that special person. They're closer to God than me. That's all been passed away. Now it's the priesthood of all uh, believers. That's the old is gone, the, the, the new has come. We don't need a special building. That's why you guys are meeting on a basketball court. All right? You don't need this Jerusalem temple because back then you weren't supposed to. Uh, they don't didn't believe that you could sacrifice, worship, or pray properly anywhere but in the temple. There was a reason for that. But now, wow, that's passed through the cross, and now 
God's, ta- God's presence has taken up residence in us. And it says, you're now, you're now. So wherever you are, basketball court or not, driving home, whatever, you are not saying, oh, God, we can't, no, don't pray. Let's go to the basketball court and pray. No, we don't need to talk like that anymore. All that's been done away with. And, and God's promise now to forgive and cleanse and accept us as his children is not some fragile promise based on our performance obeying the law. All that's gone. We have a rock-solid covenant with, listen, with God and God. God actually, there's many covenants in the Bible and many of them he did make with us human beings, but not this one. Check it out. He made it between God and God, two unchangeable things. And he wrote you in as the inheritor. You're the inheritor, the benefactor. So it doesn't depend on you. You had a bad day, that doesn't unsave you. All right? Uh, You messed up, that doesn't unsave you. This is not some fragile promise that we have based on our performance. It's a rock-solid blood covenant between God and God. And last time I checked, they're both doing fine and they're unchangeable. And that's why we've inherited the benefit. And that's why what we receive under this covenant is called mercy and loving kindness and grace. Because grace is only grace when you, or mercy is only mercy when you don't deserve it. Uh, And so this is where we need to be really careful that we're not drifting back into self-righteousness. Because God views self, in other words, you busting your fufu valve, thinking your good deeds are making yourself more loved, more acceptable to God. That's called unbelief in the finished work. That's, that's not believing that it's finished, that you still want to tinker with it. No, it's not. No, I think it needs a little bit more that I need to add to it to make myself more loved, more acceptable, more forgiven. That's called self-righteousness. And, and I want to tell you, there's a problem when we do something in self-righteousness because God can't bless it. Because to bless anything that you do out of your self-righteousness would be to condone it, to, to say amen to it, to agree with it. So when you do something out of self-righteousness, God can't touch it because he can't agree with it. All right, so we need to understand this is where the Bible says that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble because the humble are those who understand it is finished and that no amount of prayer, Bible study or obedience can make me any more acceptable to God than I are right now by the blood of Jesus. Again, no amount of prayer... Bible study or obedience can add to, oh, this is even more finished now. (laughs) No, finished is finished. And so um, 
What's the last point there? It's circumcision of the flesh, thank God. That one passed through the cross. Circumcision of the heart is what God, God, it was never about uh, a physical uh, thing. It was always about uh, a relational thing. So, so Jesus said it is finished, but guess what? That doesn't mean we are finished. We're just getting started. All right, we're not finished. Uh, we're just getting started. So, but now it's changed our language, our thinking, the position of which we're starting from. Uh, we're declaring God's kingdom to come with thanksgiving. Instead of asking God to give us what we already have, we're declaring it uh, to be so with thanksgiving. Uh, we're not using our faith uh, to get God to do stuff for us. We're using our faith to access what God has done for us. Ooh. So we're, we're not using our faith to arm wrestle God. We're using our faith to access what's been done for us. And we're taking our stand on the finished work and accessing our inheritance. So, of course, there's still much to do. So I'm not taking away that. I'm just saying... To talk about what we have to do as Christians before we understand what's been done for us is a cruel religious bondage. It's cruel. To talk, to tell people what they must do for God without first establishing in them an understanding of, of the platform, of their, of their starting point. To do that... Uh, and, and, and bury them in doo-doo, all right, without first talking about what's been done is, is really cruel. That would be like me getting dressed this morning and getting my top button done up in the wrong buttonhole. What do you know about every other button I'm going to do up? It's wrong because I got the first one wrong. And so, sure, prayer... But now the whole alignment and position of me praying is wrong. Our worship is wrong. Giving is wrong. All these things are out of alignment because I didn't do based on what's been done. How am I going? Yeah? So it's so critical uh, that we really understand our, uh, that we're starting at the finish. And so for many of us, that means... Uh, we're way ahead of where we thought we were. Wow. We're way ahead. We're not back here busting. Whoa. We're actually there. And that's our starting point where we're living from. We're not, not pushing towards victory. We're coming from a position of victory. And so when we say, I need to get closer to God... Well, yeah, you probably do, but don't think about that as a distance between you and God because that's probably more about you dealing with distractions in your life because it's not a geographical distance. I mean, how do you get closer to a God who's promised never to leave you or forsake you? How do you do that? Come on. I mean, huh? Jesus said, I'll never leave you. Well, now I'm, I'm trying to get closer to this God. Well, if I feel a distance, 
it's only because of my distraction with my mortgage, with this going on at work, and do, and God feels far away, but it's not referring to ge geographical distance. You know, I say, oh, I'm so thirsty uh, for more of God in my life. Well, okay, if you are, uh, that's that's okay, but don't glorify your thirst as if it was something to be aspired to in your spirituality because under the new covenant jesus said the water that i give you you'll drink and you'll never thirst again so when someone's thirsty we say okay well just go ahead and drink then because if you're thirsty it means you haven't been drinking because uh, the provision under the old, uh, the new covenant is there. Well, you, and, and I, we hear people say, I need to go to a new level in God. Well, now that one's going to be hard because you're already seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that implies you're now eyeing off the Godhead. Thinking, yeah, it's an eye. I think, Holy Spirit, I think I can do better than that. I mean, so all I'm trying to say is, you know, think about this language that we're using if we're starting at the finish, how do I go to a new level? Well, firstly, that means I just need a greater revelation of the authority I already have. That's what going to a new level uh, in God actually looks like. And so <clears throat> I hear some of you thinking, well, yeah, so you're telling me I'm loved, I'm accepted, I'm close to God, I'm filled with his fullness, but you know what, David? I don't feel like it's true. I don't feel like it's true. Well, I want to say what else is true that you don't feel like it's true? You know, what else? Do you all feel like today's Sunday? Well, guess what? It's Sunday. <laughs> I don't feel. Well, many of us in this room uh, are married. You mean on the days you don't feel married? You're not married? Honey, we're not married today. i just, just not feeling it. All right. So there's many things in your life that are true regardless of whether you feel them or not. Think about what happened when uh, for someone to get married and now they have all these rights and responsibilities that they never had before. They, they stood, if it was a Christian ceremony, they stood in front of a, a pastor, a celebrant, and they spoke words to one another in the presence of this person and that completely changed their status, all right? Well, imagine uh, he gets through uh, saying, and I now declare you, and I go, you know what? It didn't work. I don't feel it. I, I don't, honey, I'm sorry, I just don't feel married. Uh, can you do it again? Can you say it again? It, it mustn't work. No, I had to accept that when he said, you know, by the authority conferred on me in the name of Jesus Christ, blah, blah, that I'm married. That's it. That's what I had to do to be married. Uh, imagine on your wedding night, I guarantee you didn't say to your new bride, you know what, honey, I'm going to sleep in the next room because I don't feel married until I do, you know, sorry, I'm on the couch. I guarantee you didn't do that. Uh, and years after your wedding, how weird would it be to wake up beside your wife every morning and start singing, I cry out for you to be my wife in my life, close to me, closer and closer. And she's, she's going to be thinking, I married a nutter. I married an idiot. I'm lying here. I'm right here. And he's crying out, seeking me, seeking me. 
gee, I'm right here for crying out loud. And imagine, after the years go by, whenever she sits down and she says she's finished what she was doing, you reward her faithfulness by looking at her. I need more. I need more. She may slap at you. She'll give you more. All right. So what I'm trying to say is even if your doubts are denying you the feelings of the finished work, it's still true. It's still true. And so it says, to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority the power, privilege, and right to become the children of God. So I pray this morning that something shifts. Into, wow, I'm starting at the finish. I'm starting at the finish. And all the covenantal confusion and jumbled up thinking about God starts to be put away. See, I want to say to you, whatever you think, you know about God is wrong if it doesn't look like Jesus. <laughs> you know, sure, you prayed for your parrot and it still died, and then, you know, this happened and that happened and the dog and la, la, la. And so you're transferring all that. I, I want to tell you, okay, I acknowledge your hurt and your grief over that, but whatever you think you knew about God is wrong if it doesn't look like Jesus. Because he actually said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father. So whatever you think you knew about God is wrong if it doesn't look like Jesus. We are starting at the finish, and it's a place of amazing grace. God came to save and restore humanity, not to punish it. See, God's never been angry at you. Where did we get that? Some people have such nonsense they're calling the gospel. Uh, God's never been angry at you. He's loved you with an everlasting love. In fact, the cross was meant to be the, the absolute visual display of how far God would go to display to you how much he loved you. That's what the cross actually is, the extension of his forgiveness and mercy. So, so Jesus came as our rescuer to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He, what he did was he absorbed our darkness into himself and then carried that onto the cross, died as us, but not stopping there. He moves through. He carries us through death and out into a new, wow, a brand new resurrected life. So I want to say to you, God's not interested in fixing you. He wants to transform you transformation it's not a fix it's a transformation and that's why the bible uses language like born again and if anyone is in christ he's a new creation so uh, here's where i want to land so bow your heads with me close your eyes and today we want to trust in the finished work of jesus christ not in who we are, what we've done or not done and not good enough. We are not looking to ourselves. We realize our God is merciful. And mercy can only truly be mercy when you don't 
deserve it. And so I, I'm praying that every yoke of religious fear comes off you now as you approach the throne of grace with confidence, the Bible says. It's, a, it's not a throne of judgment that God's sitting on. It's a throne of mercy, mercy towards you. And it would be remiss of me at this point not to at least give an opportunity for people here to get right with God. Maybe I don't know everyone here, so it could well be you're here today listening to me and say, wow, I, I want to. I want to fall into the arms of this God. I want to get my life right with him. I want this new beginning that I heard about today. I'm not struggling with some Old Testament God. It is a new day, a new day. And I'm starting where Jesus finished. And there's so much grace extended towards you today, so much love, forgiveness that God extends towards you today. So if that's you, and you're ready to just pray a simple prayer. You can pray it right where you are. You don't need to leave your seat. But if that's you and say, you know what, that's me. I want to get right with God before I leave this place today. Lift your hand up and I'll lead you in a prayer. And we'll say that together. just want to give that opportunity for anyone here uh, today looking around. All right. So if I can have uh, the singers and musicians back. Wanna, let's all stand together. What I want to do is, is make this front area, as it were, the finish that you're going to come and stand on and access stuff. Could well be, hey, wouldn't it be wonderful as, as you come out here and stood here, it, it, not begging but accessing your inheritance in Christ, that a healing came to your body, a physical healing. Uh, someone with a right hip issue. Um, it just uh, it sort of just grabs from time to time. Uh, God wants to touch that. And uh, someone with a weak muscle in their right eye to uh, just drifts off occasionally. Uh, that God can strengthen that today. You know, there's so many things. Uh, you know, back pain that people have here today, and the Lord says to you, that's. Yeah, you get some relief through the chiropractor, but actually it's because you're carrying a heavy burden as a person. There's stuff you need to let go of today, and that's why that, that back pain is a reoccurring thing that happens in you because you, it's really a manifestation of a heavy load that you need to let go of and put down uh, today and release to God. And so I'm inviting people to come and stand at the finish and, and in that moment to access freedom, to access uh, release, uh, those anxiety attacks, to uh, cease attacking you, uh, coming at your life, that peace and alignment comes to you, this striving uh, in you to be right. Always some of you living with that self a critic uh, inside of you that, that's even affecting your mental health. And God wants to touch that today, bring alignment uh, to you in Jesus' name. So we're just going to sing a song and to close out. And, and I'm going to pray for whoever comes out, and then I'm going to hand back to 
the pastor Nate to just close out our meeting. But if that's you and you want to say, yeah, that's me, God's speaking to me, oh, come with faith in your heart, not pleading with God, but accessing the finished work of Jesus Christ today. Thanks, guys. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.